Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I'm in Los Angeles. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Uh, he's in San Diego. Jay, uh, Dodger Stadium. I, I realize there's other stuff going on in the world, and it centers around L.A. right now. I feel like my world has been turned upside down. I don't understand what's happening in college athletics. So, But, but here we are, because... Big in, in my world right now is Padres-Dodgers. Padres are a game and a half behind the Dodgers. They play four games. Jay, they've only played three games so far. Like, everyone that I talk to is like, is that real? Is that right that the Padres and Dodgers have only played three times this season? Look at you. I don't know what – did we have another issue? No, there's there's something on my computer where – It's me. I'm getting, I'm getting alerts for Microsoft Teams – and when it comes on, it mutes everything, and so I can't hear you. And it's so I, I know you said you're in LA. I know you said everything's <laughs> happening in LA. But I think you knew. Let's that. face it: people who are listening to this are more interested in Padres Dodgers than anything else that's happening in LA. And, and I think most people are uh, anyway. And by, and plus, by the time most people hear what we're talking about, there could be like 27 different things that already happened. Uh, in college athletics that are different than they are as we do this just after noon on Thursday. But yes, it's a big it's a big weekend. It's amazing. These teams have only played three times. The other amazing thing is they play 16 times the rest of the year and the next 10 games are all in LA. It's just bizarre scheduling. The first weekend in July, August, and September, the Padres will be in LA to play a total of 10 games against the uh, the Dodgers before the Dodgers finally come down to uh, to San Diego again. And as uh, as we noted today in print, there was a, a box that I put together with your story that the uh, Dodgers have won 35 of the last 49 games played between the teams in L.A. Uh, that does go back to some years where the Padres were pretty terrible. Um, the Padres did have success up there for a while, la- the first series last year. I believe they won three out of four and then they lost, I think every other, all but one other or every other game. Nine. uh, They they went 0 and nine. They were seven and three at this point. These teams had already played 10 times. The the Padres had that big series after the Dodgers came to San Diego and took two or three. The Padres took three of four. They played those seven games in 10 days. The Padres swept the Dodgers three games in June at Petco park. And (laughs) And that's a part of why, the Padres are very muted this year about the bigness of this series, right? Now, yeah. we'll see in four days if they sweep the Dodgers, you know, and they're two and a half up and they're just partying. <laughs> and uh, the parades coming and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. We'll, we'll see. But but the reason, part of the reason that it's muted is 0-9, swept right. in three series, two of them at Dodger Stadium, one at Petco. There was no question who was the better team. Now, the the Padres had their issues, and they were spiraling. But, um, yeah, this is really incredible. The Padres play. Just want to make sure I got this right because it's, it's sort of mind-boggling. There's always a quirk in the schedule, always something that we can laugh at or complain about or whatever. Wait till next year when the schedule is completely blown up. But the Padres <laughs> have, at the start of this trip, so two days ago, had 87 games remaining. Okay. 53 against the NL West because they've played so few against the NL West. That will probably – well, actually, let me tell you something. That will never happen again. Right. Because you're only going to play your division 46 times next year. 
And that's and that's too bad. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I think taking away games, and I, I guess you could argue it either way, but you know, games that the Padres play against the Dodgers and the Giants, and you know, maybe they don't need to play quite so many. You don't need to see any more games against the Diamondbacks, and and, and I know you don't need to see any more games in that old dirty <laughs> building or whatever you called it uh, the other uh, the other day when we were on here. But I, I hate the idea that we're going to lose games uh, against. The Giants and the Dodgers. Uh, that that is not a good thing. Maybe but if you and, could pick and choose, no one would go to Arizona. Well, right, right, and no one, and certainly the Padres would never go to Coors again, uh, except if they wanted to hit for the cycle. I think that might be the only. Uh, I think that might be the only thing. But uh, yeah, and the you know the teams played. There was one series this year in April, uh, and the Dodgers won two of the three, uh, two routes actually, and the. Uh, the Padres uh, squeaked out an extra inning victory on uh, the middle game of that series. In fact, the Dodgers just won their first extra inning game of the year. Um, I did not know that. Just a few days ago, they—I I can't remember the number, but they were—it was like zero and six, maybe zero and seven, uh, something along those lines. And I remember, I think even last year, the Dodgers were not great in uh, in extra innings, but the uh, the Padres have been good. Um, for the most part in extra innings. But I, I guess before we get too far in, into this weekend, we should take a quick look back at what did happen. In, it feels in like Phoenix. a lot happened on that pit stop. I know that pit stop that, that was really an ugly, turned really ugly there in about an hour on, uh, on Tuesday night when everything looked, looked to be great. And, and it was weird. There was just this sense I got watching the game when it was six, nothing. And, I didn't understand why Manaya went out to start the next inning. I certainly didn't understand why he went out. And this, my, this was probably my only criticism of Bob Melvin after watching him for almost half the season, is that there, it seems like there are times where a pitcher goes out and it, 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 he sticks with a pitcher. And maybe we say it's too long, maybe we don't. He, I, I still think him and guys like him and Ruben Niebla know this stuff better, way more than we do. But if you're putting a guy like Manaya out there for the seventh inning, that's one thing. He's at 98 pitches. He's rolling along. He's only given up one hit. But don't you have a guy up to start the inning? That's why one – it seems like he, he sends guys out there for that seventh or eighth inning, and there's no one up in the bullpen right when the inning starts. And so then you're stuck because now you've got to wait a couple batters. And he wait and – and I give Bob a lot of credit after the game the other night. You asked him about the usage – the pitching usage in that inning. And he said, if I had to do it over again, I would have taken him out after two batters instead of three. And, and that was something that, you know, I know I first guessed and I know a lot of other people did as well is once Manaya gave up the walk and the hit to start the seventh inning, it was like, that should have been a really big flashing light that it was time to get him out of there. Now, whether Tim Hill would have still coughed up the runs at that point or whatever, what would have happened? I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know, but that was the one criticism I had at that moment. And then when it got to be 6-4, it's like, oh, boy, you know, I know Luis Garcia has been good for the most part, and you wrote a, a great story about his journey here. But it does seem like he's involved in a lot of these games, and, and I've got eight of them written down on a sheet in front of me here, and I, I don't have the pitching all written down on there. But it seems like he's involved in a lot of those games where, run, where leads have gotten away. And sure enough, it happened again. And and uh, I, I don't fault Melvin. I, I did get a tweet from someone who said, you know, they should have had someone up as soon as Garcia came in the game. You can't run a pitching staff like that. You, you can't have your eighth inning guy in the game and have someone up 
you're certainly not going to have Taylor Rogers up at that moment. And so the next guy is like Stammen. And if you thought Stammen was better than Garcia, you would have had him in the game to begin with. You, you got your eighth inning guy in there. You count on him to do the job. Garcia okay. didn't do the job the other night. Taylor Rogers almost had a miraculous escape from that, except for the one pitch that, you know, and, and he, he seems to do this, you know, through his games where that back foot slider ends up hitting a foot. Um, and guys have gotten good, batters have gotten good at keeping that foot planted in the in the batter's box and letting the ball hit it. And yeah. uh, so that was the one thing that that killed him. But otherwise, you know, Rogers, I, I thought, did pretty well. But that and the Padres, you know, there's no law against them scoring in another inning as, as well. Yeah, they scored six runs and yeah, they should win when they score six runs, just like they should win when they score five that we talked about Sunday. But it wouldn't have hurt to add on. And they did yesterday. I think they added on late in uh, yesterday's game and and that worked out really well with the uh the clevenger martinez piggyback but anyway really, there's my quick game, my quick a couple things about that a couple things about that clearly that's on that's on bob melvin because that's bob melvin's job right and and he did and i think that a lot of times he wants his pitcher to know this is your inning and he clearly has lived and died mostly lived with his trust of these starting pitchers um, the second thing is he's play. He's working with a six-man bullpen. I mean, uh, because you know Nick Martinez has been absolutely fantastic in this role, but he's a member of that bullpen supposedly. But he's yeah. now not available three, four days at a time. Um, people need to understand. Not only are there 162 games, you can't manage this like you managed high school. You can't manage this um, like you manage little league, uh, even college, where you're playing three and four games a week. It's a game almost every single day and getting a guy up to throw in the bullpen. It's not like throwing in the game, but it is. And so you have to be careful there. But I want to say this, like, first off, everybody who came in that game was going to suck that day. That's what we learned. Okay. <laughs> um, no, that doesn't change the fact that we can question and say that, Hey, if Tim Hill had come in a guy earlier, this or yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other thing is when you're up by six runs, you lose one half of 1% of the time. Right. I got my guy out there. This is yeah. my guy. We're going to get through the seventh. This is awesome because I can save the bullpen. Luis Garcia is going to come in. Even if he gives up two runs, we're all good. Or when, when Sean Manaya is going up, uh, is struggling, you're like, okay, you know what? Tim Hill's been good. Or he's going to come in. Maybe he's going to let one run score. We're still going to be up six, three. There's going to be two innings to cover. Yeah. The problem, when that game changed and I knew they were done, um, obviously I could have been wrong. Mark Melanson almost blew it for the Diamondbacks. Rogers almost got out of it. But when I said, uh-oh, time to get the second file up and start writing another story, is when Tim <laughs> Hill's inherited runner scored a double with a double, and then that runner scored. It was now yep. a two-run game in Arizona, and we had problems. And, and so that, that's where it went down. Well, and, I, and I, I had someone else question, why is Tim Hill? In the, well, Tim Hill had not given up a run in 12 of his last 13 outings. I mean, I, Tim Hill's been pretty good lately. You can't. Okay, so Tim someone, Hill, if you can't put Tim Hill in a game when it's 6 nothing, I mean, Tim Hill got up when it was 6 nothing. If you can't put Tim Hill in a game or any pitcher on this roster on a game when it's 6 nothing, then he shouldn't be on your roster. I mean, that, I also want to say this, and I don't, you know, look, um, when I covered football, it seemed there was this great understanding. None of us know what we're talking about. 
Like <laughs> football is super complicated. We didn't play it maybe as much as all of us played baseball. Oh, come on. We all knew better than Norv. We we're, didn't we're, coach. We didn't, you know, this it's super complicated. There seemed to be sort of a, on some level an understanding of that as much as you criticize play calling or coaching. Yeah. We all played baseball. Baseball's slow. We all know righty, righty, lefty, lefty. We all know that. <laughs> Guess which pitcher, because Tim Hill came in. There were two lefties coming up. You knew it was going to be Tim Hill. But he came in to face a righty, and had he come in a guy earlier, he would have had to face two righties. Okay. You had Craig Stammen. You weren't going to use Luis Garcia till the eighth. Guess which pitcher had a far better um, success rate against right-handed pitchers, right-hander Craig Stammen or left-hander Tim Hill? Oh, my guess would be right-hander Craig Stammen. Oh, wait, against right-handed pitching? No, I'm or sorry. Hit? I mean, against right-handed pitching, guess which guy was better? Or right-handed right hitting? Right-handed hitting. I, I would say it would be Tim Hill. Yes. So, yeah. like, like, I mean, people think they know because – We've learned like, oh, righty, righty. It's supposed to be righty, righty. Oh, right. Well, no. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just think in this in this case, the guy, you know, the ideal thing I'm sure they were thinking was Hill and Stammen would finish out the game. I mean, at that point, he, he clearly didn't want to use Chris Matt um, in that game after what after the what happened on Sunday, and and maybe he maybe that was a night when he wasn't going to pitch. Um, and, you know, and then, like I said, I mean, the biggest thing is they still had a two-run lead and they had their eighth-inning guy in the game. And if there's anything, you know, if you have to pick one sort of goat of the game, it's, it's let's be honest, it's Luis Garcia. He has to be better than that. Yeah. And he was he was bad. I mean, there's no other way you I can. I felt bad even can, including Sean Manaya. Like, Sean Manaya gave up part of the lead. Yeah, okay, yeah. he gave up three runs in six-plus innings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's – you know, like I said, I, I have a list here. They have eight games this year that the bullpen has blown a lead in the seventh inning or later. And there was one game where you Darvish blew a one nothing lead in the seventh by giving up two, but I don't count that. So so they have eight eight losses that I would count as bad losses. Now, of course, you're not going to win all those games, but you sure hope that some of those don't come back. No, to, but of, you know, of the you. teams that have bad losses like that, if that's what our definition of a bad yeah. you know, loss for the bullpen the other teams are like um, the Rangers, the uh, yeah. Pirates, the A's, um, really bad teams. Like good and teams you, don't have bullpens that give up that those games. Well, and the other thing is, is as I as I go down this list, I mean, when I look at it, and I have it written down here, they were up 2-0, they were up 5-3, they were up 5-2, they were up 5-2, they were up 4-1, they were up 5-3, they were up 6-0. That's seven, seven of the eight games, they were up multiple runs. There was... The one game that wasn't was the home game against the Pirates, where Rogers blew the you know came in with a two one lead, and, and you and, say you know, okay that happens right and that and that happens. But to lose seven games where you have multiple run leads in the seventh inning or later, that's the kind of thing that you can't have happen. And the problem now is and and is and we've talked about this before from the very beginning of the season. Who is the guy that you have confidence in that's going to be out on the mound? in the seventh or eighth inning that you think, okay, this is locked down. And right now, I don't think I, I, I might've said Chris Matt up until Sunday, but do you have a lot of faith in, is that a Drew Palmer? <laughs> oh, sorry. He's not ready yet. And he may right. be. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the guy that, you know, they really miss Drew Palmer. Yeah, so, but you know, to segue, they also really miss Manny Machado. 
Yes, uh, you know what though I want to. But they point did out- lose two games where they scored five and six runs. So, you know, yeah, they miss Manny, but they should have won those games. That was it's not Manny's not going out there pitching the eighth inning. One of my favorite things about Bob Melvin, who's sixty years old, and and look, there's just a certain amount of uh, honesty that comes with age. I'm feeling it already, and I'm nowhere near. Sixty's not a bad. Long. I'm going to say 60 is not a really bad age as I look at the calendar here. <laughs> I, I, that's how I used to feel. Well, 50 is so old. No, it's not. I'm 51. Right. Um, but but there's just some times where he just says, and he says that sometimes, like, after all the explanation, and he's so great um, and so secure in himself, and he'll answer any question, and he, as you know, you pointed out, he'll take the blame, whatever. But then sometimes he'll be like, we scored six runs. We should have won. Yeah. You think we go out there and play some good defense, you know, pitching, winning some games. Yeah. Duh. Hey, last thing on the bullpen. Some of this is due to the fact that the worst bullpen in the major leagues at holding inherited runners. How about that? I mean, we talk about that's one of my key stats when you uh, talk about a bullpen. You've got, you know, your ERA, your whip. Okay, great. Yeah. Inherited runners stranded or inherited runners scored, whichever one you want to look at. And the Padres are the worst in the majors. That's a huge deal. No, that really is. And it, it really happened. You know, again, it happened the other uh, it happened the mm-hmm. other night when when both guys came in, although I, I'm certainly not going to blame Taylor Rogers when he comes in with the bases loaded and nobody out and gives up a run. So anyway. All right, can, so the can. other two things, there were two <clears throat> injury things. You could say three. Will Myers, there sort of had been a target sometime before the All-Star break. It's looking after the All-Star break. Fernando Tatis Jr., I know it's all really confusing, but, you know, that's how it happens. Fernando Tatis Jr. is not swinging. He wasn't supposed to be swinging, uh, but – who knows? Fernando Tatis Jr. could start swinging in two days if he wants to. I don't know. But uh, supposedly, officially, Fernando Tatis Jr. will not start swinging until the – not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that. But after that, boom, 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 boom. Uh, right. Ten days, 12 days with the Padres facing live hitters. They're probably going to bring in some minor league arms, some guys. And, man, he'll take 50 at-bats like on the – you know. Uh, 15th of July and uh, take 50 on the 16th and take a rest day. And who knows, man, maybe he could play against the Mets, but probably more likely when the Padres return home at the end of July would be more, a more realistic time. But man, once this guy gets going, they're going to have a hard time uh, holding him back. Well, and that's the danger. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't in any way want to equate, you know, what the average, uh, you know, not even, I'll call myself a non-athlete does and him, but, you know, you go to the, you go to the driving range and, and you hit 150 balls instead of 50 and you're, you're, then you're like, oh, geez, now I can't go hit for three days. And so when you talk Where about Tatis, yeah. Tatis taking 50 at bats and hopefully they, obviously they've got professionals around him yes. to try to keep that from, uh, from happening. And, and he's, he's probably got more ice. I, more access to ice bags than even I do here. But the uh, amount of yeah, stuff I mean, these I, guys wear and put on their bodies and the treatment is is mind boggling. Right, and they, I, that's not yeah. like we don't compare ourselves to them, but that's a great correlation. You can't just jump into that and right. And and uh, you know, look, we, we talked for months about. I never expected that Tease was like, oh, it's going to be two months or whatever. I, I've said on here many times, and I think you agreed. There was. Very little chance we were going to see Tatis before the All-Star break. I never thought that was a possibility. Now, it's it's too bad that it's going to be probably another week after the break uh, or a week and a half before we see him. But, yeah, I mean, if all 
at this point, if, if he's if he's on the field for that weekend against the Twins, uh, which is a month, it actually starts a month from now, the, the last Friday of, uh, of July, then I, I think that seems to be the most realistic date right now. Did you get any sense on, on Machado? I know you've posted some video of him running the bases a little more. Is there a chance he DHs tonight? Yeah, I think there's a chance he DHs tonight. Um, I think he probably could have yesterday if it was the Dodgers, right? Like um, what he did yesterday, what he did the day before was the first time you said, okay, I can see him pinch hitting, like really even pinch hitting and maybe even staying in the game. Uh, Uh Yesterday was like, oh, okay. Um, You know, you always feel a little silly uh, watching a guy, you know, work out and making some sort of amateur diagnosis, but I've been doing this a long time and you can tell what the difference between a 75% and 90% is, and I'd say he's closing in on 90% and 90% of Manny is as long as, and that's what the, the repetition of days is as, as long as it's not going to hurt him further, which is where they're at now. He's fine. Um, Then 90% of Manny, They'll take it. I do find it interesting. Um, look, it was worth the risk. He's Manny Machado. Yesterday was 10 days. He could have gone right. on the IL. It doesn't matter. Why don't you tell me who they were going to bring up well, to come off that bench? Right. We talked about we talked about that a couple of days ago. And, and we also don't know. He could have been available to hit the last couple of days. And he supposedly was. Yes. Just didn't just didn't arise. I mentioned the situation on Sunday. That uh, you know that almost happened, and it would have been interesting if he came up then. Yesterday, they certainly didn't need him. So uh, if there was, if they didn't need him, there was no reason to put him uh, to put him out here, put him out there. But uh, tonight, the the Padres have their biggest pitching advantage in this series. Yes, tonight, and with Joe Musgrove pitching against Mitch White, um, and nothing against Mitch White, but Musgrove's been better, and but and Musgrove's also come. He's also coming off right. He's a fill-in for Walker Bueller, and and they're also missing the, the Padres will be missing Julio Arias, who pitched great last night and is, has been pitching well. So Mitch White and Musgrove, Musgrove of course coming off the bad start from uh, from last week, and then uh, the Padres shuffled the rotation a little bit. So uh, Snell will pitch against Gonsolin on Friday night, and that leaves and then Darvish moves up from a. A classic matchup on Sunday. It could have been Darvish and Kershaw, but instead it'll be Darvish and Tyler Anderson. And then that leaves uh, Mackenzie Gore. A different kind Sunday. of classic matchup. Yeah, to pitch against Clayton Kershaw. So I, I think that's uh, that's still exciting. And but I, I think you would, I think you would give the Dodgers the edge on paper on Friday night and Sunday, and then you would give the Padres the advantage uh, tonight and on Saturday with Darvish pitching. So that. But again, we could say that, and turns out completely opposite. But on, on paper, at least, that's how it—that's how it looks. Uh, Manaya and Clevenger won't pitch for the Padres in the series, as I mentioned. Arias won't pitch for the Dodgers. I would think if you—you you know, these teams play in the postseason, it would—it'd be shuffled around. You wouldn't be seeing Mitch White. Probably won't be seeing Gore. Uh, you won't be seeing Snell. Uh, at least not this version of uh, of Snell. But anyway, always exciting when these teams get together. I hope you brought your earplugs for the sound system up there, which just sounds incredibly uh, annoying. But uh, I, although I will find out for myself going to, I am going to one of the games on the next road, oh. next road swing. Okay. So I'll find out for myself how that, uh, how that goes. But uh, the Dodgers, I don't know. They, 
it doesn't it's like you want to say that they haven't been great but then you know you look at the standings and they're 46 and 28 and they have the best winning percentage in the national league so i you know they have a huge run differential advantage and that sort of thing i think they have the best record in baseball oh no other than the yankees and the astros who have been really hot uh lately and have the advantage of playing in a horrible division um as well so always fun when these teams get together and the padres have have to prove something right now i mean they have 10 straight games in la a place where they haven't played well and uh you know we'll see what and and at least uh at least the first three of those um are going to be played without Tat- or first four of those are going to be played without tatis look they've, they've got uh the four here they play the mariners who that's a pretty good team who's playing better and then you got four against the giants always yep. tough you got three at colorado after that tough like you know uh this is, this actually, is a tough time. it's actually four it's actually four at colorado that's right four in colorado yay thursday oh. <laughs> that thursday day game before coming back to play three against the uh the diamondbacks and no i mean we talked the last time about all these games coming up against the west and you know the troubles the padres have had certainly playing in in la and colorado uh, which are the two <clears throat> the two trips left before you know before the all-star break so heck did you catch that the other day i wrote since the start of the 2020 season the only nl west ballpark where the padres have a winning record is Oracle. Yeah. And, yeah. and the 13 and 10, which means the sweep is what put them above 500. They actually still have a losing record at Chase Field since the start of 2020. I'm not even going back to crappy Padres teams. Um, <laughs> like, this is like, you know, the two, it, uh, the, the, the West is, is a nightmare for them. So only three games left at Oracle this year as well. They have a series in late August, and that's the only other, uh, only other time they go to San Francisco. So, we're going to see a lot of the Dodgers starting this weekend and i know uh, everybody always enjoys uh, enjoys the rivalry and we will uh, we will pass on doing this early next week with the holiday on monday and then a day game on tuesday uh so we will give everyone a break from us until a week from today we'll right uh, talk about what happened over the past week and we'll look ahead to another big weekend series against the uh against the giants at, uh, at petco thanks everybody 